Welcome to our uh, continuation of our Bible study of the book of Ephesians. Uh, I, my name is Kevin Clark, and I, along with uh, the preacher at Oak Mountain Congregation, uh, Bob Hutto, will be leading the study, uh, as was mentioned last time. Uh, in some ways, this is a continuation of what we came up with uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, when we weren't able to meet as frequently uh, as we wanted to, and we started out with a virtual live stream Bible study, uh, first Wednesday night, and then switched to Sunday night. And uh, now, since we've gone back to in-person for those two services, uh, we decided, based on uh, the interest that Bob had, the interest I had, and unfortunately, the interest of some of the listeners in a continuation of something like this, uh, to continue. We've done it in very uh, a small, discrete bites, about 20 minutes, uh, a segment, and it'll be on the website, the Oak Mountain Church of Christ website. The idea is this is something that you could access uh, while you're driving to work, while you're exercising, uh, while you're sitting at home doing something around the house, uh, just any uh, convenient place where you can have the Word of God presented to you uh, in a very uh, short uh, snippet that's accessible and digestible. So, uh, Bob, you have any introductory comments before we plow into the lesson for today? Well, if you want to know uh, God's plan and what God's purpose is for us, the book of Ephesians is a good place to go. And so we want to encourage people to study with us. Uh, take the time to read the book yourself. That always uh, enrich the study, enrich our, our conversation as people listen in. And so I'm, I'm excited about it. I really like the book of Ephesians. It's a great study, and, and we hope that it will, in a you know very down-to-earth, practical way, encourage people along the way. That's that's our goal. That's what we're trying to do is just help people grow and develop in their relationship with Christ uh, so that they can receive the promises that God has uh, laid out for them and enjoy the, the purpose Absolutely. that God has for each one of us. Absolutely. Well, this time we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to try to cover uh, verses 1 through 14. It may not be a verse-by-verse study, although I do want to read the passages. Uh, and there are certain things we want to pull out, and I'm sure Bob had some things as well. And so let's just be begin very briefly by reading some of the passage here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a very interesting introductory uh, comments. We know that the writer, the author of the book is Paul, and he identifies himself as an apostle. We know he was not one of the original 12, but he certainly saw the Lord, the risen Savior, on the road to Damascus, and that would qualify him to be an apostle, and he was handpicked by the Lord to be such. And he makes that point, that he didn't thrust that upon himself. He didn't apply for that. It was by the will of God that he's in the position of being an apostle. And we know from uh, books like 2 Corinthians, uh, that has always been an issue that a lot of people have challenged the apostle Paul. I dare say even now, uh, there are people who challenge the uh, apostolic authority, the Apostle Paul. He makes it very clear from the very beginning. He is an apostle by the will of God. And then he tells us who he's writing to. The saints are in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus. And of course, we just finished the study of the Apostle Paul and his uh, his life. And one of the things we focused on was that third missionary journey, the fact that he spent three years uh, in Ephesus. In fact, when he was at Miletus, he had the elders from Ephesus come down and talked about that three-year period, how he did cease to warn them day and night with tears and, and warn them about some of the things that would come even among their flock and themselves. And so that's who we're talking about. And he starts out with the idea of grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, when we get into the rest of this, I want to raise this quick kind of a, a lens or a framework to look at this. You know, a lot of times these days we have people who are looking for unity. 
Uh, they want unity among religious people. And they think the way to get there is something along these lines. Uh, let's dispense with the theology, because the theology d divides us. It's, it's the differences that we have. And really, if you uh, reduce it to its minimum, what we're talking about is good moral living. And so things like uh, don't lie and don't uh, commit fornication and be faithful to your spouse and you know don't be greedy and don't be covetous. So there's a sense there that the way to uh, be almost kind of ecumenical, if you will, and draw all religions together is to take everything that potentially divides us, scrape it off the plate, and you're left with the irreducible minimum of good moral living. And I want you to contrast that thought with what we see here about how do we achieve unity and the role of Christ. I want to suggest to you, you're going to see the centrality of Christ, that we cannot do what many people are suggesting, which is to scrape theology and Christ being the Son of God and His resurrection off the plate. To the contrary, that's the very thing that God uses to bring everybody together. And I want you to ask you this, this, yourself this question. If you don't have Christ, what are you missing? Because that's going to be emphasized in these verses. So let's pick up verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ and himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, and been made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And Bob, what I thought I would do, there's so many things that we're told that God is doing through Christ. I'm just going to pick a couple and then yield to you to pick a couple, and we'll just work our way uh, through the passage. And so the first thing that jumps out of us is that God has given us every single spiritual blessing that could exist through Jesus Christ in the heavenly places. Think about that. All spiritual blessings reside through Jesus Christ. And we asked the question earlier, if you don't have Jesus, what don't you have? Right here, you don't have all spiritual blessings. And so do those spiritual blessings reside in other religions? No, they reside in Christ. Everything that we could want uh, comes through the blessed Son of Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to talk about uh, this idea that we talked about in the last um, class, predestination. And just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Notice that phrase, in him, again, tethered to Christ. We are chosen, or we were chosen, before the world even began. Now, we made the point last time, this is not talking about individual, arbitrary uh, selecting of an individual. You're going to be saved. You're not going to be saved. We know that from other passages in the Bible. We always want to have the Bible interpreting the Bible, like 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Very briefly look at that. 1 Timothy, the second chapter, verse 4, and when it's talking about God, in fact, we'll back up to verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, listen to this, who desires all men to be saved 
and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9 also says he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so it's clear that God wishes, God wants all men to be saved. Now, if God, at the beginning of time, before the world began, arbitrarily picked certain people to be saved and certain people to be lost, that is irreconcilable with those verses. So we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is the very thing he says here. He's predestined us to adoption as sons. He's predestined us that we should be, verse 4, holy and without blame before him in love. This is telling us the kind of people that we ought to be. We are to be holy because God is holy. We are to be blameless because we worship a blameless God. And we are to be loving people in the love of Christ. Uh, Bob, tell us some things that you see, even about those or maybe some of the other blessings in Christ that we have. Well, I thought about a couple of things in connection with what you were saying. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, there are blessings from God that all people enjoy. Mm -hmm. Remember the comment that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter yes. five, yes. that he, you know, the, the sun shines on the evil and the yep. good, the yep. rain falls on the just and the unjust. That's right. And so even those uh, who have no interest in God right. or... Uh, even atheists who don't even believe in God, they enjoy God's some of God's blessings. Absolutely. But there are other blessings mm -hmm. that only those in Christ Amen. enjoy. And so just think about what a privilege that is. And that shouldn't make us arrogant no, or, no, no, or no. look at other people with contempt or, or anything like that, but it just makes us appreciate Amen. our relationship, the generosity of God yes, that He would bestow yes. upon us right. as unworthy as we are the greatest of all spiritual blessings. And so as you go through your day, yes. just think about that. Think yes. about maybe enumerate or at least mm -hmm, think mm -hmm. about individually uh, the blessings that we have in Christ. And so uh, that might just encourage us through the day. I was thinking about the idea of predestination. One of the illustrations that I like to use is Rahab in the yeah, Old Testament. Yes, yes. Now you remember that mm -hmm. the, the spies told Rahab she hid the spies when they right. went out to spy the land. Uh, and she makes this great confession of faith is basically what it is. We've heard about the Lord and right. what he did, at the, bringing you through the Red Sea. Will you save me and my family. Mm -hmm. And they tell her, well, we'll make a deal with you. Uh, if you'll get in this house right. yes. and stay in this house, right. now you can get all your family in this house. And whoever is in this house, right. we will save them. Now, if they're not in the house, uh -huh. we can't make any promises. Right. But if they're in the house, we can save them. Amen. So that had been yes. predetermined. Yes. Who would be saved in that case was determined before it actually happened. Right. The people in the house right. would be saved. Well, take that same yes. kind of approach and apply it here. The people in Christ uh -huh. will be saved. Now, in Rahab's day, uh, she had a cousin. I don't believe that. I don't believe, you know, right, I, I don't need right. to get in that house. You right. know, I think I'm good right here. Yes. Well, he perished. Exactly. And so he had the free will you go. to get in the house or stay out of the house. Absolutely. And so people today have the free will to enter into Christ right. or, or not. Absolutely. And so the people who are in Christ have been predestined. That's Those right. people, it's already been decided right. they're going to be saved. That's right. And yet we have the free will to be in Christ or not be in Christ. Excellent point. And just to add to that, uh, talking about the idea of predestination, I know this is jumping ahead, but Ephesians 2.10 is an interesting passage because it comes on the heels of uh, biblical teaching that we're saved by grace. No question about that. But for those people who want to pick grace against works, you have a hard time with this verse because it says very clearly that even though we're saved by grace, there's a reason why we're saved by grace. And again, that was predetermined before the world began. Look at verse 10. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, 
for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so God had always contemplated that his people would walk in good works. They would have his workmanship. That's the purpose of us being set apart. And I think it's interesting, again, this is something in the mind of God before this even began. Uh, And so there is a predestination, but again, it's not an arbitrary God choosing who's going to be lost, who's going to be saved on an individual basis. That's inconsistent with the God that's a loving God that wants all to be saved, but... As you said, free will is a central component of that. God has never forced men to be saved against their will. And just like the Rahab's relatives had a choice, they could be in the house or not, we can be in Christ or not. And obviously that's something that's emphasized here. Uh, We're losing time here, so let me (laughs) jump ahead. Uh, One of the things I I certainly want to talk to, uh, talk about verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. And probably this is one of the greatest blessings that we have in Christ, that you know all of us, Romans 3.23, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if we have either done something that God said not to do, or we have failed to do something that God said we ought to do, that is sin. And sin is a transgression of God's law, 1 John 3, 4. We also know Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. And that's not just physical death, which obviously was brought into the world by the sin of Adam and Eve, but also eternal death, eternal separation from God. So we have a problem. There's nothing we can do about that on our own. We've sinned, we're worthy of eternal damnation, and yet here comes Jesus dying on the cross that gives us a path back to God to be redeemed from our sins. We're sold into slavery by our own choice. We're sold to sin by our own choice. And the only way to be redeemed from that slavery is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so going back to that question at the very beginning, you know, is there anything unique about Christ? Is there anything central about Christ? Absolutely. Christians cannot say, well, just scrape the theology off the plate and let's just be good moral people. No, it's no way you can be pleasing to God unless you go through the blood of his son that provides the only avenue to have that slate wiped clean and have our sins forgiven. Bob, you have something on that? Well, redemption is a big idea in the Bible. goes all the way back into the Old, Test- <clears throat> into the Old Testament. God redeemed mm-hmm. Israel mm-hmm. when he brought them up out of Egyptian bondage. That's right. And uh, talks about it through the prophets and all. And, of course, it has to do with the, the price paid mm-hmm. for the release of That's someone right. or for someone's freedom. And like you said, you know, we're sold in bondage under sin. Whoever sins is the bondservant of sin, That's Jesus right. says. And so we, we've sinned. And uh, we can't pay the price that needs to be paid for our freedom. But Christ has paid it for us, and the price was His blood. Absolutely. And so that's how much God loves us, loves each one of us. He's willing to send His Son. He lives on this earth as one of us. He bears our sins on the cross. He pays the price so that we can be set free. And so He paid the penalty, so to speak, Amen. and we receive the benefit. Absolutely. Well, how marvelous is that? Uh, and, absolutely. Uh, what a... You talk about every spiritual blessing. Yes, I think, yeah, that's yes. right at the top of the list, isn't Amen. it? And, you know, I love that concept you said about what the great lengths that God was willing to go to to free us uh, from sin. I like Romans 8, 31, 32 on that. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall you not with him also freely give us all things? And so we are to be encouraged. We have a God that's rooting us on. We have a God that wants us to succeed. And the proof of that, the evidence of that is look at the cross. That's how much God wants us to succeed in pleasing him. That's how much God wants us to have fellowship with him, that he gave up his very own son. So if he's willing to do that, He's definitely rooting you on. He's going to give you everything you need to be pleasing. So we can be encouraged by that, that I can be faithful to God. I can be pleasing to God because this God that I serve went to that great length 
to make me what I need to be in Christ. Right. And so we think about uh, our prayers and what we mm -hmm. ask of God. And that's, that's encouraging, isn't it? If God was willing to give me, yes. give his son for me, right. won't he work this problem out for exactly. me? Exactly. Won't he give me this thing that I need? Absolutely. And we always need to pray, your will be done. We that's understand right. that. That's always right. pray, your will be done. But if our prayer is, God, do what's best for me. If I have to go through trial, enable me to go through trial. Amen. If that's what's best for me. And so if God is willing to give his son, what will he not exactly. help us with? And Absolutely. so that's a very encouraging idea, isn't it? Amen. And, uh, and so that's one of the spiritual blessings we that's have That's exactly Christ. right. A couple other things, and then I know our time is running out, and I wanted to talk about, and you've mentioned this before. I love uh, verse 10, and I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Uh, he talks about uh, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he, God the Father, might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. And so the idea that, you know, we talked earlier, unity cannot be achieved by minimizing or discounting or ignoring differences. No, God says unity is achieved through Jesus Christ. We have to preach and teach Jesus because that is the way God has developed in order to bring everything, he says, in heaven and on earth in one. Uh, as you said, the summing up of all things in Christ. And so, again, it just underscores the centrality of Christ. And one of the things, one of the aspects of unity we'll talk about a little bit more as we get deeper into Ephesians is the unity of God's people. And boy, do we need that now when there's so much division, so much fighting and screaming and yelling and demonizing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the path to unity is not in legislation, mm -hmm. is not in court decisions, it's not in programs, social works. The path to unity is through Jesus Christ. Yeah. He says right here, he has designed it to bring everything in heaven and earth together in one through Jesus. That's the only way it can be done, Bob. Right. And so the things that divide us so often in our culture well, those are, of course, those are hindrances mm -hmm. to unity. And in Christ, all of those things are broken down and dissolved. And so, you know, people, you know, if we could just build a place mm -hmm. where we could be unified, it's already here. <laughs> it's in the body of Christ. Amen, brother. If, the, if people are, um, you know, doing what they ought to do as members yes. of the body of Christ, yes. it's here. Come to Christ. That's right. Come with us. Right. And you'll find a place where all these problems and troubles and divisive issues and all those, those are put in their proper place. Absolutely. And we find the unity and love and peace that we're meant to have. Amen. And think about, even from the very beginning, when the, the promise to Abraham, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so even as, of course, we know even further back than that before it began, but right there, uh, the father of Judaism, uh, Abraham, he is told, that all nations are going to be blessed through his seed. So the idea that Gentiles were going to be brought into the fold was there from the very beginning. That was not a surprise. That was not an add-on or an adjunct. It was the mind of God. And, and we benefit from that, that we're part of that. I mean, I'm a Gentile, and I'm so glad, and these people would have been glad to have heard that they can now you know, people who are far off from God, they can now be in a covenant relationship with God. They don't have to be circumcised physically. They don't have to be uh, proselytes to the Jewish, uh, Jewish religion. They can be justified by faith, just like everybody else is justified by faith, and be in Christ. And so what a great blessing that is. Um, we're running out of time here, and so we, uh, we might say this. Uh, there are other blessings that certainly we have in Jesus Christ. Spend some time thinking about that in your own life. Uh, you know, things like prayer and the, the church and uh, the church leadership we have, our relationship to brothers and sisters in Christ. Just think about all the spiritual blessings that come through Christ. But uh, we want to bring our study to a close, as we always do, with a word of prayer. Uh, Bob, if I could ask you to lead us in that okay, prayer. Sure. Our Father in heaven, we <clears throat> bow before you at this time as um, the 
uh, Almighty God, the creator of all things, our creator, but also through Jesus Christ, our Father. We're thankful, Father, that you're willing to uh, hear our prayer, and we ask that you'll hear our prayer today. We're thankful for your love for us and your concern and your generosity toward us and the fact that you've given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and that those come in Christ. Help us, Father, that we will, uh, as we uh, are members of Christ and members of his body, that we'll walk in a manner that's worthy of that great privilege, that we will uh, grow and develop the character and the attributes of Christ in ourselves. And Father, we pray that others will see Christ in us and be, be drawn to you through him as well. Our Father, we pray that we'll live in a way that brings honor and glory and praise to you. We understand, Father, that's why we are created and the ultimate goal of our existence is not for ourselves, not, not selfishly to indulge ourselves, but to the praise of your glory. And Father, we pray that uh, you will help us as we strive to do that. Uh, we're thankful, Father, for this opportunity. We pray for more opportunities to teach your word. We pray that people will hear and respond. We're thankful for the gift of your son that he died for us, bore our sins on the cross, shed his blood to redeem us from enslavement to sin. We pray, Father, that we'll continue to grow and develop in him with your help. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen, brother.